Ooh, Ooh the sounds of sweet vibration. Mm, so sweet they are. I have to say, this is one of my favorite, favorite sex toy companies because one, you have a sweet ass time, but also, I mean, they have so many different options for you. And look how pretty and fun they are. They're bright colors. They do all kinds of exciting things. There's one that goes around your clit in like surround sound. There's one that <laughs> simulates um, conolingus. It doesn't vibrate. It kind of blows air. I love these. Also, all of them are waterproof. All of them are rechargeable. They come with a discreet travel case, USB charging cable. I mean, this really is absolutely amazing. Plus, there's a lifetime warranty. So if you're looking to have a sweet time with sweet vibrations. For a long time. For a very long time. Mm-hmm. You can check them out on Instagram at Sweet Vibrations and online. Visit SweetVibes.toys. And we have a little promo code for you. We do. It's wild love. And you get 15% off at checkout. That adds up. Have some fun. Woo. And fam, if you're enjoying the podcast, please, please, please leave a review on iTunes. It really helps us out. And if you leave a review, leave your Instagram handle and one lucky reviewer will get a free copy of Untrue, which is the best book ever. And Another lucky reviewer will win a free coaching session with me. So we really appreciate any support that you can give us. Much love. In this episode, we're joined by two incredible human beings who are my very close friends, Jason Ellis and Katie Ellis. And we talk about their unconventional relationship. We have a very raw and emotional, uncensored chat about some childhood abuse that Jason spoke about. And we talk about how Jason and Katie are revolutionizing partnership and marriage. Loved it. Mm -hmm. It's super interesting. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Yeah. Um, we should get started. Not that we weren't We're actually already. already rolling. We're already rolling. Yeah. Okay, wait. Do you guys have the same last name? We do. Okay. I, I changed it. It was a pain in the ass. Yeah. You changed <laughs> to his last name. Yes. Okay. Just wanted to get that uh -oh. clear. No, I like it. It's not it. a control thing. No, I know it's not. <laughs> can wait, can wants. we talk about that for a minute? Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. Pansexual Katie. Mm -hmm. Bisexual Jason. Completely tatted. And cool. And did this traditional thing, got married, and you took his last name. I did. Can you tell us about that? Just for starters. Just well, yeah. to warm up. I actually always said that I hated my last name. I remember that. It's I, I have I have the most white trash hee-haw name, Katie Jeanette Gilbert. Wow. Yeah. Wait, what's it, wrong with that? Katie's I'm not like sure for anything. Though. I know, I know. I really do embrace my white trash roots. Like I love that part of myself. But my brother and I would always joke that um it's pronounced Gilbert. Right? Because <laughs> okay. it just sounds so Gilbert. Right. You can't okay. say it without coming out of the side of your mouth. So I, I always said I'm either gonna change it to something else or when I get married, I'll just take the last name. Because really, like the you know, feminist Katie hates that. Yep. I don't agree with it. It's I'm not no, becoming you. You know, no, you're, you're not. not taking some part of you. me away. <laughs> you're on yourself. That's right. Not. So I kind of felt weird doing it, but also like I love you. And now we're a team and we have the same last name, you know. We're equals, we're partners. It is, and it's a better last that. name. I mean Katie, Katie Ellis, Ellis does bad. rock. Yes. Katie I mean, Gilbert. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it's about how you feel, Katie. Yes. Yes. 
I get it. I feel better. Um, my about husband it. still is annoyed at me all these years later, 19 years later, that I didn't take his name. I mean, he's kidding when he expresses annoyance about it. But it's amazing how they make it very inconvenient in this culture for women to keep our last names. Yeah, I never really thought about it because I obviously lived in a man's world. <laughs> but, right. but yeah, now that I live in uh, in the world with everybody, I'm like, yeah, that is some bullshit how they just made you guys do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like in The Handmaid's Tale, Katie's name would be hmm. Katie of Jason. Right. right. My name would be Wednesday of Joel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> So creepy, right? It's one step up from that. I did kind of like it though, and in, in I guess in the wrong in a wrong way. Like I, I felt like having her having my name is like yeah, we're into the Alice's, right? Which is weird because I'm not even really that proud of my last name, but it's this <laughs> confused thing because I'm not that proud of my parents, but I'm proud of myself and my kids. So I feel like I'm trying to reclaim the name, even though nobody really understands why. But this Alice, this version of Alice's is cool. The last one. Reinvented the name. It was a little Mm -hmm. bad. It was a little little patchy. So for people that don't know what a pansexual is, can you define it? Yes. Pansexual for me is just that I am sexually attracted to not any specific thing. It's more um, whatever hits with me. So it doesn't matter what your gender is or what your orientation is or what you look like. Like, obviously, everybody has to be legal, but, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. I'm not that man. But, but yeah, so I'll sleep with women. I'll sleep with trans women. I've never slept with a trans man. I'm not totally against that either. Again, it's it's I'm pretty fluid. Whoever, I whoever I, I hit with, like, if I want – to have sex with you and we're both feeling it, like, I'm going to do it. Yeah. yeah. I don't care about the label. Do you have another orientation within pansexuality? Like, for example, I interviewed this sex researcher and she was like, oh, we don't really all of us talk about orientation anymore in the same way. Like, for example, I have clients, she told me, who their thing is money. They don't care if the person is male or female or trans. They're into money or somebody who's a certain height or you know, they're into asses, whatever, but they have an orientation within, outside in the normal definition. Do you have an orientation within your pansexuality or a thing that you search out and you find yourself looking for? I can't say that I do, honestly, because I'll surprise myself sometimes because I would think (laughs) with women, I usually like really feminine women, but then there's certain women that are more butch leaning that I'm like, I would fuck that girl. Right. That's right. pretty rare, though. You're more into a little more girly girls, right? Traditionally feminine. Yeah. But then there's certain people Femmes that are sort of you. like non-binary. She's not into lesbians, which is really unfortunate. No, not but she's not butch. Yeah, but know? they kind of. I f- I feel I'm not a lesbian, but I get the f- <laughs> I get the vibe that lesbian, like uh, my version of a lesbian, like someone who's really into having sex with other girls, like a like a gay guy is. I know there's gay guys out there that don't have to fuck all the time. But most dudes are thinking about their penis a lot. And if you're mm-hmm. a gay dude with that kind of penis, then watch out. And I feel like there's some lesbians out there where I'm like, I've seen them look at her where I'm like, well, this chick is ready to do it right here, right now. <laughs> and if and if Katie gives her any go ahead, they'll probably do it right here, right now, because this chick <laughs> is not playing. So I get the sense that they, you know, because they're more of a manly kind of woman, you know, they're, they're, they're the boy in the relationship or they're, you know, they're a very like manly in their mind and they're like look at that piece of ass i'm gonna grab it and i want to do this and do that to it like a man <laughs> more would butch. think yeah, yeah like they're yeah, not gonna more butch 
So I feel like if she had that, if she was into that, then there would be more lesbian encounters for her. Because for me, the gay thing is like super easy because everybody just wants to do me all the time. So I can just sort of be like, <laughs> well, if I so. <laughs> ever feel like doing it, I just have to pick up my phone and there's like a hundred people who are like, please, Grindr. sir, can I? So easy for you. It is. In, the, in that in that section, yeah. He's the king The king at the spa. What is it, right. What did you call it? The king of the, the jerk off I circle. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what I call it. I never actually labeled it Whitney. It's just I've noticed that. I do run that place. But apparently, though, if so, if there's one person who is deemed whatever the king, it's the alpha. The alpha. Yeah. If they, if you come first, then everyone comes at the same time. Well, it's not. It's it's everyone. If everyone's <laughs> spanking it to you, then they want they want to they want to crescendo. They want to crescendo. They want to end <laughs> when you end because they're having sex with you without having sex with you because you're not you're not touching me. Yeah. So they're just all waiting for me to pop and then they, it's all like one big thing. (laughs) But it's funny to have the, yeah, because I don't want to this, I'm trying to, I go there all the time and I'm, you know, I go there for other reasons than jerking off. But when it becomes that, I'm, I didn't realize, you know, I'm like a pretty girl there. I have control and I've never used control before because I've never had it. So it's weird that now I've only just started to, I'm like, man, everyone kind of follow me from that spa to the other spa. Like, people are following me in here. I'm like, I wonder if I just, you know, get pulled it out, what happens next kind of thing. And then you start to get an understanding that they follow you and copy you and I'm in charge. Like, And, and then I'm like, you know what? Today's the day where I'm going to walk. I'm like, oh, look at this. I walk in and I can tell. Everyone's like, oh, shit. And I'm like, yeah, I'll move my town but like, now what? You're like the it, super popular mean girl with a dick. Yeah. <laughs> but I but the good not I'm not that I'm saying you're mean, just gonna, that power. I was yeah. gonna say, because I'm not mean. Everybody gets it. Yeah. Like everybody. I'm not I'm not like no. unless you're like really creepy and hideous. You've got some like, top energy. You bring the top energy to yeah. the spot. Everybody's happy when I leave. What's, it's not a bad thing. No one's like, with, what the fuck? Yeah, what's wrong with bringing the top energy? Okay, for our listeners who don't know about you guys. Tell us about your coming together and, well, literally and figuratively. But, you know, what? how do a pansexual woman and a bisexual man, you guys, come together and negotiate all this stuff in a marriage? Right. Well, when we first started dating, you were not out as bi. Because you just mm-hmm. recently kind of came out about it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I've always been pretty open about, you know, I sleep with who I want to, like, it's easier for women, let's be honest, in society. We get judged less for mm-hmm. having sex with other women. Oh, there's so much stigma for being a guy who likes dick. Yeah, yeah. People yeah. are like, <laughs> bye, so men don't exist. You're gay if you touch another dick. Like, right. it's so black and white. The stigma is terrible. There's so much gray area. But he, I was at his apartment, and he had some calendar that he'd gotten from his radio show that was like trans women. And I was looking at it, and he was like, you're into that? I was like, yeah, this is hot. He was like, oh, that's cool. And then she said, are you into that? And I had two relationships before that where long-term relationships where in the end of the relationship, I tried to tell them that I was, because I wasn't sure what I was. I was like, I I have Mm. done gay things before. This was how I would say it because I don't, I'm like, I don't think I'm, gay but i've done gay stuff and we've been together for almost 10 years i feel like it's time to tell you 
And then when we would break up, they would they both threw that in my face. Like they both started telling people that I was a fag. And I'm like, man, Aww. like I don't know why. So then um, you know, I mean I made a mental note, you know, don't fucking tell anybody, mm-hmm. especially your girlfriend, because it's not gonna work out. Which has also made me feel like there's no point dating anybody anymore. Cause when you get to the bottom of it, it's you're gonna find out this one piece that I'm undateable, is what I thought. And then when she said that, I remember that was like the right there was the door. I'm like, I can oh. I can shut it or I can put my fucking foot in it right now. And I was like, you know what? I'm sick of, I'm not going to waste years to tell somebody this. I was like, yeah, I'm into it. And then she was like, I think it's really hot. And that changed everything. It wasn't like I've had girlfriends before that are like, yeah, you should totally have threesomes. I'm like, you you want what I want. You just mm-hmm. want to make me happy. And, you know, and this is not right. really working out. Like, it's working out for me as long as I don't think about it. Yeah. Because I'm just damaging you. But she's like, I'm into this. I'm into girls. Matter of fact, what about this? What about this dude like this and big muscly dude? And I'm like, I don't know. My DVD player Would that player be horny home. to you? Yeah. <laughs> yes, it would be. So then her friends found out, I think, maybe. A couple of friends were in conversations where – she was talking about how Jason's into trans women and they were like, oh, I think that's hot. I'm like, okay, that's three people. <laughs> you Maybe were, it's yeah. not that bad. Little scary step by step. Yeah. yeah. I think I got it's a little like bit supporting of- each other for like your sexual desires. And that's amazing. Yeah. 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 And then we were also at the start, we were in an understanding that we don't we don't think it's possible to have a relationship where you never sleep with another person ever again yeah i never believed in monogamy for long term so we just thought we should try that as well we'll be open to that because i just didn't i wanted everything to be out well worst me all the things that i've ever hidden from anybody in a relationship i just wanted it all out so that we could know where we stand from the start that must have been such a profound connection it really was you realized you had that for each other and that you both wanted it i feel like we're the only like we've i finally found the person that makes sense to me because i I still don't i just never met anybody that would be into me like this all of it (laughs) i just got a little bit (laughs) clumped did wait so katie when you were growing up was was your pansexuality were you in touch with it like jason said that it came to him little by little were you in touch with it when you're growing up was it a thing Mm. what was your family culture like i want to know what jason's family culture was like too about sexuality yeah i fuck i grew up in alaska in a really small town yeah (laughs) for people who aren't watching i just went Wow. Crazy, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I was always like the little punk kid, you know, shaving my head, having mohawks and like dressing weird, whatever. And then, you know, you're a teenager, you're experimenting, like you make out with your girlfriends, that kind of thing. I always knew I was attracted to women, but I also knew that I wanted to date boys. I never really had like a crazy desire to have a relationship with a woman, but I knew that I was attracted to them too. And people people would fuck with me. They would call me a fake lesbian, which is just like mm. so damaging because I'm I'm a fucking teenager. I'm still trying to figure out who I am. Yeah, right, exactly. And like people throwing that kind of stuff at me and throwing things at me, let's be honest. I've had eggs and rocks and all kinds of stuff thrown oh at me. Oh my God. It's a small town. She so. had the worst childhood. Yeah. It's terrible. It was very- she tells the story, I'm like, it's just <laughs> oh the, worst, the worst time. How yeah. old were you when this was happening to you? Uh, 15 to 17. 
I don't want to like, go back to the last time. Fuck those like, people. Did it shift or did I you leave? Okay, I you left. Yeah, I left when I was seventeen, yeah. and I moved down to Portland, which was a whole new world. Right. I went from tiny to like, oh my god, Ooh, people like reborn. Are, yeah, I remember being at a show. I think it was like Modest Mouse or something, and there was like a really butch lesbian, and she had like uh, flames tattooed on her arm. And I remember complimenting her tattoo because it was pretty, and I'm like totally oblivious to like orientation and everything at this point. And she's like dancing with me, and I was there by myself. And she pushed up on me and she had like a strap on in her pants. And I remember <laughs> being like, oh my God, like shit just got real. Because first of all, wow, I was they just seven. like wear them just yeah, out and about at a concert? It. Yeah. Yeah. I feel and like she, it's a little uncomfortable now. She That's pressed a up look. on me with it. And yeah. I'm 17, which I'm sure she didn't know. But I just was like, I don't really know what to do with this. So I sort of just floated away into the crowd. But I saw her later and she looked really bummed out. Aww. Like, because we'd been dancing all night, and I think she thought right. it was going another way, but that, that felt a little that rejected. Felt, yeah, yeah. But then, then I met you know another more people that were bisexual or a lesbian, and it kind of made me feel more comfortable to like own that more, and then be able to experiment sexually. And then, how you old know. were you when you had your first like female sexual experience? Oh God, it wasn't till. A- Quite a bit later, actually, early 20s. Was it in Portland? It sounds like in Portland you found a community. Yeah, I did. I really did. Um, But I I didn't really have sex with women until I moved to LA in, in my 20s. It was yeah. a journey. It, it's for sure a the journey. The journey towards sex with women. And what about you, Jason? You, where did you grow up? And what was your family's attitude about sexuality? Um. I, Melbourne, Australia is where I grew up. Um, my sexuality was my father um, slept with a lot of different people, cheated on my mom, cheated on my stepmom, um, molested me. Uh, I think my grandfather molested him. That's where it came from. Um, I've slept with girls that he slept with. I slept with. My stepmom's best friend and both her sisters. There was wow. no. There was no. How um, old were you? Boundaries. Oh, no boundaries. The first, right. the first sister, I was sixteen, and then the second two sisters, I was seventeen. And, and then I had an affair sister. with. No, no, no. Oh. My stepmom's best friend. Oh, best friend. My stepmom's best friend. My dad's best friend. His wife. I was okay. fucking her. <laughs> Did the, the husband know? He found out. Oh, God. How'd that happen? How'd that go down? They, well, he vibed the shit out of me, like, as a child. Ugh. And I just took it because it was like, you don't fuck, you're not fucking old enough to know what you're doing, but you're fucking up. Mm. And I'm like, yep, I am. <laughs> Sorry, but it wasn't me. You know, like, I literally was, <clears throat> somebody starts trying to blow you when you're sitting on the couch when you're 16. I don't know much wow. more else to say about i didn't say no but even then i she took me into the spare room and i fucked her in there and then when i came out when my room my single bed trundle room because i'm a child (laughs) uh my father knew and was just like good one fuck carmel good stuff you know to your point like no boundaries yeah no Mm -hmm. it was more you know was it scary nope i wasn't scared of that at all (laughs) <laughs> when the guy, I mean. What do you mean? I'm just thinking about growing up and you, when you said no boundaries, I was wondering if as a kid it's 
scary. It was. I didn't know. Or I, I blacked out a lot of stuff. I didn't realize I was molested until I was older. I took a bunch of acid and and um, speed and whatnot, and had an imaginary friend tell me in a hotel pool that my father molested me when I was a kid, and my girlfriend at the time was just watching the conversation. And then she told my mom, and my mom was like, I thought he forgot about that. And I'm like, fuck. And it's like, it wasn't your father. It was the next door neighbor. He babysitted. She said it was a guy with red hair, but it, we thought it was your dad, but it wasn't. And then, then uh, you know, I just sort of let that go, didn't analyze it. And then I might have asked some questions when I got a little older, and shit just didn't add up, just didn't make any sense. I'm like, wait, so my father found out who this guy was? She's like, yeah, she went and saw him. I'm like, she, he went and saw him. My father, I've seen my father knock people's teeth out for cutting him off on the on the street a bunch of times. My dad will, would kill people if if provoked. Very dangerous person. And if you fuck his kid, he'll kill you. So you didn't, you, he didn't fuck the kid. You did. But it took a long time for me to realize that. I didn't even realize that until I was 40. I went to rehab and did like some meditation thing or some, what is it called? What are you make you remember stuff like a past life a yeah, regression or a psychoanalysis some, something like that so then i started to see a little bit more and then i remember the one conversation when i had that thing where i had the imaginary friend i was staying at my dad's house this is when i was living in america half the time and i came out of my bedroom and he was in the kitchen he's like how's it going i'm like all right he's like you think you got molested and i said yeah like, you think it was me and I said, nah. He's like, right. That's it. That was the conversation. Yeah. Wow. And then when you're 40 and you've got two kids and now you're a father and you know how you talk to your kids about stuff. And if my fucking son was talking about the neighbor molesting him, it's not going to be that cut and dry. It's not going to be anywhere near that. And the person who touched him is dead, for sure dead. I don't care what society or right. what I hold. I, am. I know it's a bad call, but if you touch my kids, I'll kill you. The end. And yeah. he didn't kill him. And he had way less of a control of his temper than I do. And then I did MDMA therapy with Dan mm -hmm. to try and get like a little bit further into it to sort of settle it and thinking maybe I'll be wrong because my brother, my other brother doesn't talk to me really. We're patching things up now, but my stepmom didn't talk to me. So I really, you know, it was when I got divorced two kids i got divorced and my family in australia no longer talked to me and my ex-wife's family didn't talk to me so i was completely alone <laughs> and then when i took this mdma shit i thought maybe it would i would see that it didn't really happen that way and i could maybe patch things up but instead it was just way worse he used to come in and um get on top of me when i was in the bed and i had to see all this stuff and he used to come in the room with this heater he had like a a, round, a big round heater like a lamp a heat lamp and he would come in with a heat lamp so it was dark and all i would see is the big heat lamp and then the last thing i remember is i got under the bed and i would the springs i held under the springs with my fingers and my toes and pulled pull my back off the ground so i was under the mattress and then when the lamp came in i just said please stop and then the wow. lamp went out and it never came never came again and then i felt like wow. he i did because all the other times i didn't say anything and then this time I said something that had made me, he realized how fucked up he was. And then he didn't do it again. So I felt sorry for him in the same like half an hour of all this shock of this happening to me. 
then realizing him going back to that room and thinking about what he'd done and what he'd all you know, all the things that he'd done because it's a different world. He's not he wasn't raised to know any different. Like I don't think he. I found out my auntie said that he tried to fuck her, so he tried to rape my my auntie, his sister. So he tried to you know and then. So he's just a monster, and then he had he did like in the end he did live sex shows behind my stepmom's back, and she didn't find out that until about three years ago. And when she found that out, then she called me and said, "Maybe it's true that your dad did molest you." Because at this point, I don't know what who he was anymore. And during the MDMA therapy, do you feel like that helped with healing all of that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I don't want to do any more. I don't need to know any more about it. Mm. Like. Uh, because he was like, who goes, you know, further in? I'm like, fuck. You know what? Like I went <laughs> in. I, I was there. In. I was yeah. there. I just, okay. I just want to thank you. I don't know. I think it's so hard always for people who were abused to talk about it. And there's extra stigma on men and boys. And we know that like a generation of them were abused by priests in the Catholic Church by fathers, by father figures in their lives. I think you and Lewis Howes are two men that I've had the privilege of sitting with and you bring it up and you put it out there. I just want to thank you for that. Yeah, absolutely. I have two boys. Thank you so much. The other thing I want to say is I admire you both so much because you found joy. Like from this story to see two people who are really joyful about their sexuality after this, how did you guys do it? Well, Whitney can answer it too. Trial and error, because it wasn't yeah. fucked up a lot from getting this this lifestyle. There was this whole. Yeah, it's it's going to be my next book of this. Oh, good! I can't this, wait. Of yeah. this fucking massacre of fuck everybody. We can fuck everyone now because we're into it. We're like Batman and Robin. We just get people. Right. You, go, you take that end. I'll take the other. We're like, man, anybody who wants to have sex with us, I would give them a warning first. They'd be like, just be ready. Because we're not fucking playing. Like, we're going to get you and fucking, I'm going to get you in shit and she's going to do stuff to you. You won't know where it's coming from. Mm -hmm. How many people that would have just shut down coming from where you came from and what happened to you? How many people would have just shut down and said, sex is not my thing anymore? Was it one or the other? I don't know. Because I feel like I did it too much. And it's and from therapy, I know that there's like a lot of stuff that I used to do to get back at people. Like I used to do a lot of gay stuff that was dangerous. I would have people come over to my house that I didn't know. I'm like, you're not gonna fucking stop me. And then my therapist was like, your kids live in your house. Think about that. And it just dawned on me. I didn't mean it. He's like, you're subconsciously doing dangerous stuff because of your child, because of the things you're doing. Like in your a childhood. repetition. And then yeah. the people that I would get involved with there was a certain kind of person that I would get involved in where it was just, I didn't like them and I would make them suck it and then they could get the fuck out of here. That's that's how I treated it. And my therapist was explaining to, you're taking your power back because that happened to you and now you're doing it to other people to relate, to get back to your childhood. Like to, to act it out. Right, to act it out. So once my therapist explained that to me in my terms where I understood that, it yeah. was just like, when I'm like, Oh, like an atomic I can't bomb. do that ever yeah, again. Have, like, the awareness, like the pattern disrupt, right? right? Yeah. So but like there wasn't the, the cycle anymore. Right, yeah. but I had to understand the pattern right. to, but once it was explained to me, I was like, oh my God, I'm doing this for the most disgusting reason ever. That just fucked that whole plan up. 
So now. But you're in a healthy place with your sexuality now. Like right. you know a little more for your bi side, your gay side. You know a little more what you like, what kind of people you want around. I try what to make you expect. it. Right. I try to make it. The hardest thing is I want to. I would prefer like a regular person, somebody that I can trust. A friend, right? Yeah, a friend. But it's a connection. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it's this weird. I'm still in this weird dynamic of. I'm still very heterosexual and it's weird when guys like me like that it's too gay (laughs) but it sounds like katie's helping you with that like your pansexual life is helping you get in touch with it i mean it's just it's just every year i think it gets a little bit makes a little more sense and it makes a little it's a little i feel a little less uncomfortable Mm -hmm. with who i am so every year gets better to me yeah it's all about the self-acceptance Right, such a process, though. Especially like you've had some pushback from coming out as bi. It's funny you say that because I feel like that's been the. There's been. I feel confident about it. I mean, I'm going to start trying to help people, and then people will like, maybe you should shut the fuck up, homo. And I'm like, ooh, but it's yeah. so helpful. Like for maybe every person that up. like hates and like says those things, there's ten or twenty or fifty people that you're literally changing their life. Right, I'm just being honest. Mm. I have had times where I have felt like I have retracted yeah, my my plan <laughs> when I have had some DMs and some and some people say some stuff where I'm like, man, I, I'm losing listenership. Like this is a this is food on the table shit. You know, homophobia, the worst thing about it is that it works. It like keeps yeah. people scared. Yep. Yeah. It keeps people shutting up and faking it and scared. It's just crazy that people think it's so bad. It's just where do we where did we go? You know, what's the? It's just two people that love each other, or two people that are attracted to each other. Like I don't. Uh, if you're looking on the streets to beat someone up, okay, then we got we got an argument here. This person can't be hurting people. It's innocent people, but it's two people that agreed to do something, have fun with each other. Why are you bummed out of that? Right. Why are you mad at them or upset at them or cringing about it? Especially when. The it's same not person could be like, your life. show Never. me some titties. And then it's like, <laughs> right. it's like, what, right now? Yes, right now. Pull them out right now and I'll totally look at them and get a boner over it. But don't fucking make out with that dude over here. And it's like, what the fuck? Right. We, we actually get enough of you around. You might beat that dude up. Right. Because he kissed a guy. Right. It's, it's, it's got to stop. It's got to stop. I mean, we're talking to you in Pride Month. I don't know when this is going to mm-hmm. run, but- I'm just so delighted that we get to talk to you in June and hear these stories. I was not expecting this. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't sure what to expect either. I'm like, I will talk about anything. I'm Mm -hmm. an open book. Let's go. (laughs) And can I just ask about your listeners who tell you to shut up and don't be a homo? And do you find, are you, like Whitney said, are you finding people reaching out saying, you know, hey, man. That actually really helped me. Because I want you to have that experience too, and I know you will. Yeah, no, more more than ever. Really recently, more than ever. I would say in the last two weeks, I don't know what had happened or what interview it was, but something started, something where <laughs> I get a lot of people, like younger people, older people, somebody the other day, 47, same age as me, just came out as bi because he heard me on the show. Wow. And all these Clapping chills. Right yes, <laughs> kids that want to- Kids saying that they were thinking about killing themselves and then they heard me talking about it and I figured how bad can it be if you're out there doing all this cool shit 
and and you say it's okay to to be by and I'm like to the point where I'll check your account. So I think it's I think it's a setup. Really? Ch- I'm like, is this too good to be true? So that paranoid. It's- oh. Yeah, I'm like, somebody's just trying to because if I say something, because I'm going to say something nice to them, you know. But I want to make sure that it's a it's not a fake account trying to set me up. But it's not. They're it's all not. really it's real. Genuine, yeah, it's people. not Jason. That's crazy. I know for sure. You know, there's a couple people out there that were thinking about killing themselves and aren't because of my because of what I've said. So I'll just keep going all day. I'm pretty sure that I'll never get completely fired or whatever. So I'll have I'll have enough money to live my life. I don't think anyone's going to just completely end me for my crusades. Right. So I'm in 100%. It's pretty much all I care about. I want to be funny and I want people to be entertained when they're driving home. But my number one goal is to try to get people to understand that if you kiss dudes, it's not that big of a deal. Everyone needs to get the fuck over it. So do you, do you <laughs> yes. for both of you guys, is <laughs> there mantra. any advice i guess that you could give to somebody who's kind of struggling about wanting to come out or struggling with their own sexuality because i know it's been challenging for both of y'all yeah and so if there is somebody that's listening like fuck like i'm having a really hard I time i think it's so hard but it's and and there might be consequences depending on where you live that are going to be tough but it's freedom we want to die in your own cell of your own life like get yeah like i'm i'm free like I'm, I am me, and I'm me in front of people that can can take it any way they want. That's the best. The freeing part is, is I can tell you, and you can tell me that that offends you, and that you no longer like me. And I'm a very insecure person. I want everyone to love me. So to know that you're going to not like me anymore is tough, but it's also freeing because I'm like, you can just straight up write me off right now, but. You know what I mean? I'm a big homo. No, that's, that's who it. you are. And if people aren't going to accept you for that, then you don't really have space for that person in your life. I felt like it allowed me to get on my, on my road to get happy. Yeah. Mm. Like mm. part of the, even to get there, to accept the the wrongs in my life, the things that I've done that are bad, I, I couldn't accept it until I was like uh, m- me. You know, once once I got that part, and then like the next part and the next part and and so on from here on out. But I don't think I could have got there if I hadn't have just said, okay, here's the deal with this one thing that nobody, yeah. that's the other thing, nobody expects me to be that. Everyone thinks, yeah, you know, you're, you're, talk, you know tell us about it, you know, how many chicks you fuck, Jason. <laughs> and I'm like, that is so disgusting. But I will tell you how many dudes blow me. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, brag a little. I want to say something else, which is, you're doing this for for kids and adults alike who might just say, I can't handle this anymore. I can't be who I want to be. I can't be who I am sexually. You can be freeing those people. The other amazing thing about you too is I think your marriage can inspire so many people. I've been married for 19 years. I live in New York City in a very conservative, very heteronormative culture. I have no doubt that hearing about you two and your marriage will inspire all kinds of people who wouldn't admit it, but who are suffering. Like the marriage part of this seems like a really important big thing that I want to thank you for too. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I, I hope so. You know, I hope that people can see that it's okay to still feel supported and loved and, and get to be your true honest self. Because if you're stuffing any part of yourself down, it's just going to turn into this dark ball inside of you and it's you're gonna feel it i feel Mm -hmm. like you guys are reviving the institution of marriage (laughs) 
Wow. Yeah, I do. Yeah. No one said that one to me before. <laughs> I know, right? I love that you two are married and that you came to this place together as a married couple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This makes marriage seem relevant to me again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. marriage doesn't have to be monogamy. I mean, shit. People, it's funny. Some people will be like, you got married? I'm like, yeah, but married, not monogamous. <laughs> a lot of marriages, though, aren't monogamous. It's yeah. just like. It's just dishonest. Right. It's just so much worse. Right, you're never going to get on the right track if you're, like I just said, like it's, it doesn't it doesn't have to be gay. Just if you're living a lie, you can never really get on the right track. If you're just kind of like constantly hiding a giant piece of your life that is burning in the back of your mind, because I've, I've I am a cheater. I've been a cheater. I know what it's like. I've been a cheater even when I was a young moron, and even when I was a young moron cheating, it hurt me. I thought about it afterwards. I told myself what a piece of shit I am. Even when I probably, I can't remember because I'm pretty punchy. I'm sure there was times where I slept with other people and was like, I've had sex with her and her and told my friend about how cool I am because I slept with two different people and I'm absolutely positive. <clears throat> I walked around for years later in the back of my mind going, piece of shit, you're a piece of shit, you're a piece of shit. That's what that does. You think you're getting away with it, but. You're not. It you're still lives there. Yeah. yeah. You're it's carrying. Like a program that keeps like running in the back of your head mm-hmm. always, constantly, you might constantly. Hear somebody be nice and talk about how they're like a nice, respectable person, and that'll trigger you. Oh, you're not. Remember when you did this and this and this? Like, cheating doesn't work. You don't win. May as well just tell everybody. And I'm a really bad liar. So I just go, go and did it. I'm going to do it. I was a really bad liar, it. too. I cheated a lot. And I would, I would always tell them about it afterwards because I felt like I did cheat a lot. And I, I, for a while was like, no, I don't want to say anything. But then I always felt really guilty. And then I would just sit down and tell them. And it was just ugh, a nightmare. Yeah. Me too, serially in my 20s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know what happened? I was friends with a lot of gay men. I've always been around a lot of gay men. And so I said, this is, you guys, this is so hard for me. I, I keep. Seeing other people, I keep, you know, sneaking around. And my gay male friend said, oh, well, this is perfect. You're starting a new relationship with a new guy. Wednesday, just say to him, I really like you, but I don't want to be monogamous. This was like 30 years ago. Gay men are giving me, like, advice about a relationship. And I was like, yeah, right. (laughs) I just go and say, I really like you so much, but I'm just not into monogamy. So – I go and I sit down and I tell him this. Holy shit. Went over like a lead balloon because he was a straight guy and consensual non-monogamy was not a thing for straight people in New York at the time. It was, you know, 25 years Uh, ago. But gay men gave me my education that I could feel entitled to that and I could say that it was what I wanted. It might not go really well, but... They put that idea in my head. It was like revolutionary. My head blew up. I just realized that is a lot of a lot of gay couples have part like they get because I've been involved yeah. where gay couples are like, hey, yeah. can you come over? And and they're married. Yeah. And they've been doing that game forever because they understand the needs of a man. And maybe it's not going to be yeah. one person for the rest of your life. Would it be really cool if it was a couple people? It would be way better. Yeah. I mean, Dan Savage says that. Dan Savage says. Gay men kind of invented consensual non-monogamy, yeah. and then straight people gave it a name later. Like, like we moved into the neighborhoods that they gentrified in San Francisco. <laughs> yeah. We yeah. moved into consensual non-monogamy after gay men did it for us. <laughs> yeah. 
um, I want to stay here and talk all day. I know. But we have to wrap up. I want to, people are going to want to know, everybody knows you too, <laughs> but some of my followers might not. Can you tell them where they can find you and be inspired by you even more than they have been already? Yeah, I mean, I'm just, you can find me on Instagram. It's underwearwolf. <laughs> that's I, you. That's me. Yes. I love puns. <laughs> <laughs> you really do. It gets kind of crazy sometimes. Yeah. Um, I'm uh, Wolfmate on Instagram. That's and then you. your show. Okay. Oh, yeah, the Jason Ellis show. <laughs> oh, yeah, that. <laughs> oh, yeah, Ellis I got show. a job. That's right. Man, I, I slept three hours last I night. I'm like, holy shit. We right. also have a podcast, High and Dry. Yeah, yeah. We Yep, High and Dry. It's a good podcast. Mm-hmm. Everybody should download that too. But the Jason Ellis show on Sirius XM. Whitney was just a guest. Yep, she I was. was just She's going to be great on it. You guys yeah. should check that out. She's really good. She's on fire. Yeah. She yeah. really is. We'll talk about her. Pussy. You guys set her pussy on fire <laughs> in that episode. You guys, thank you for being here with Thanks us. Thanks for having us. Thanks wow. for having us. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's all I can say. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs>